You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Well, I'd like to share a little bit of, of testimony. Uh, some of you missed me last weekend. Some of you didn't even notice I was gone, but... Anyway, I love all of you, right? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> um, four, of your, four of your men here from this congregation were in Kairos Prison Ministry. And uh, we were at Hazleton Thursday through Sunday last week. And uh, a team of 24 went in. Uh, two got sick on first night. So a team of 22 went in. And uh, it's one-on-one you can only have one resident per volunteer. And Thursday night is meet and greet, and they, they're coming in, and as they come in, you know, one would come in, and I would take that person and, and go sit down, and we'd have communication, talk, and introduce ourselves. And I think it was about the third person. Third person comes in and gets his badge and his name tag, and his name's Mr. Wright. And it was actually Rodney's uh, resident, and and uh, he sets down, and it's about 10 minutes later, and you see a little bit of commotion over here with the name tags. Well, there was another Mr. Wright who had shown up. So the wrong Mr. Wright was hanging out with Rodney, you know, so not surprising, amen. But the Lord made a way for the wrong Mr. Wright to be in that party for the, for the weekend, right? So Thursday night, we had a few that didn't come back Friday morning. And uh, God worked for people. Uh, the chaplain went into the education center and he, he went to find a couple of people. And he didn't just find a couple that were the next in line. He just asked a few more people that were there in the educational center, said, hey, do you want to be a part of this weekend? And they came and were a part of the weekend. So uh, God ordained those men that were supposed to be there. 190 signed up, but only 24 could come. One man from my table said, look at it this way. There's 1,600 men in here, and we're 24 that got chosen. So Friday, we, we introduce them to God. We talk about the choices that we make and, and where it got us, and, and I am no better than any of those men. By the grace of God, I'm not in there. But we talk about, about Jesus and his love for him, and then Saturday is about accepting Jesus' love, and we start out in the, in the, in the chapel and it's forgiveness. We, we talk about writing down names of people that you have unforgiveness with or hate, bitterness, angers, people that you're still upset with. And I got a little, little Will about this big. Little Will wrote two pages worth. I said, Little Will, you ain't even big enough to have two pages worth of hate. But he kept writing and writing and writing all day long. At the end of the night, we have a forgiveness ceremony. We go back in chapel and we got a kittle right there and and uh, family tables, we've got five different family tables, right? So family of Luke and John and everybody, we get up and we pray and we ask God to take all of our hate and all of our unforgiveness and we set it in this pot and the chaplain takes it outside and it's pouring the rain down. But the only area that it's not pouring the rain down is where that chaplain is standing and there's a beam of light just shining down upon him. And he lights those paper and all of it burns and he shows those men all of that unforgiveness, 
All of that bitterness, all that anger is burned up and gone. God has released you from all of it. You could sense it whenever we, whenever we threw it in the pot and we prayed, you could just sense it disappearing from those men. On Sunday morning, we get back and they have to declare what religion they are whenever they go into a penitentiary. And four of them had came to chaplain. I don't know if it was Saturday night or if it was Sunday morning, but four of them had changed themselves to a Protestant after that. We had open mic where a couple men had... Uh, they just received forgiveness. One man said, I'm angry. I'm angry all the time, and I can understand why being inside of there. He said, I called my wife this morning. I said, I love you. How are you and the kids doing? She said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he said, there's some men in here that's brought me hope. There's some men in here that's brought me some love. You know, we had, we had a crypt in there, and he's sitting there, and he didn't say a whole lot. But whenever you see a crip, reach up and take his finger. And you know he's clearing tears. You know the Lord is moving in the midst of it. Kenny Montgomery is one of those men that go with us. And he's a correctional officer, former correctional officer. Used to work at Hazleton. His speech on Saturday, he was just an anointed mess of tears. And he was crying and he gets done, and, and it's open mic night on Saturday, and one of those men recognized Kenny as a correctional officer. And he said, Lieutenant, you put me in the hole. I mean, he, he recognized Kenny as being a tough son of a gun. But those men saw that lieutenant with a heart for God and how God has changed him in the last seven years. What a testimony to see that man who was so hard and so rough weep and cry for Jesus just to show the love of Christ, hoping that they would find salvation. Amen. We thank you for your support because you may not know it, but your tithes and offerings, they support that ministry. It's an ordained weekend also. I talked to Jim Martin, one of the guys, and he said, you're not going to believe this on Monday. They shut down visitation because COVID in Preston County started to, shut, started to come back. So it was the weekend that God ordained. Amen? Amen. So the title tonight is, Am I a Prisoner? The scripture comes out of 1 Corinthians 5 and 11. He says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covenant or adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such and no one not to eat. A little background on the Corinthians. Corinth was one of the most important cities of its day. It was a commercialized city and it controlled much of the shipping between the east and the west. It served as a connector between Greece and the Peloponnesian Peninsula. And the city was most famous for prostitution. The city's chief deity was Aphrodite the goddess of Lydia's love. And there were thousands of professional prostitutes that served in her temple. I believe this all kind of relates with my experience last weekend. I believe it kind of ties into pastor's message a little bit too. In the NIV, 5 and 11 says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer 
or slander, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not eat with such people. A fornicator is a person who has sex with someone that they are not married to. A covetous is having or showing a great desire to possess something belonging to someone else. An idolater is a person who worships an idol or, an, or idols. A railer is one who scorns or mocks, insults, disapproves you, shows reproaches with probrious language, meaning that they're disappointed in you, using outrageous, disgraceful, shameful language towards you. A drunkard is a person who's habitually drunk. An extortioner is a person who gets money from another by using force or threats. I believe I saw a lot of that in those men that I and Rodney and everybody else went in and volunteered with. I believe that we saw a lot of that. Paul's trying to get the church to see the clear distinction, distinction between sinners and saints. Paul's telling us and telling the Corinth, he's instructing us to restore our brothers and sisters that have lost their ways. He's also making a statement that there should be uh, discipline to the church member that openly persists in those manners. Paul not only writes it in chapter five, but he goes into chapter six and he says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covenants, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of me. But as you washed, but, it, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You're washed, you're cleansed from sin. When you called on the name of the Lord Jesus and asked forgiveness, you were washed clean instantly from all this stuff that was behind us. You're sanctified. The moment you confess and ask the Lord Jesus to come and be the ruler of your heart, you're set apart for God. You become the Lord's property. You're justified. You're freed from all sin, completely forgiven. He keeps no record of your wrong. You're accepted by God. And because of Jesus' death, his death purchased our righteousness. Amen. And it feels good to be free. On Monday, whenever I was walking my dogs at 6 a.m., it felt good to be free because I was bound in a room that I could only go to the bathroom with. That was, it. that was it. I was locked in a cage. I was locked in there with men. I didn't even have a guard, a guard in that room. Rodney didn't have a guard in that room. We had no one there protecting us. We were in an ordained, predestined weekend with God and 24 residents. Whenever I got out on Monday, I was free and it feels good to be free, and it feels good to be clean, amen? Give God a hand clap of praise, amen? It feels good to be clean and free. Paul's focus here was on the purity of the church. Today, I believe that the church is splitting because we're accepting the spirit of the world inside of the church. Just as Paul is recognizing that, that the Corinthian church is starting to accept the behaviors of the world, and those things are coming back into the Corinth church, 
I believe that we're starting to accept those things also. We're splitting. I heard him talk about banning Pulowski, some of the Catholics, because of her choice for abortion. We're splitting because of abortion. God said, don't kill, right? That's a valuable soul. It doesn't matter if you were raped or not raped. It doesn't matter if it was meant to happen, not meant to happen. It doesn't matter what they're going to turn out like. God ordained, formed that baby, placed it in that mother's womb. He knew the very day that that baby would be conceived. Amen. We're splitting over same-sex marriages. Some churches say it's good. Have, have a man for a man. Have a woman for a woman. That's all wrong. Living with a partner, being a drunkard, it's okay. It's okay if you go down there and you buy a case of beer, Bruce, it's okay. Don't worry about your son-in-law who might watch you buy that. And then he says, well, my father-in-law drinks, I can do it too. And then he becomes an alcoholic, it's okay. It's not okay. What happens when they legalize marijuana? We all gonna be sitting here with a doobie in our hand? Huh? I mean, seriously. We're going to be split over this. Paul is, Paul is focusing on the purity of the church, saying, I need you to come back to where God wants you to be. Amen? We need Jesus. The church doesn't need worldly things. You know, whenever I sat there at, at, with those tables and, and some of those guys had questions, I said, listen, my pastor needs Jesus. I need Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're the richest or the poorest. It doesn't matter if you're the best smelling or the worst smelling. We all need Jesus. Amen? It doesn't matter what the world says. What matters is what God's word says, and we need Jesus. We as believers need to stay focused with the purity of our own heart and the body of Christ that we live in. Amen? We need to encourage one another. We need to help each other get out of the darkness that we may walk in. We don't need to be bound with fear or anything of the worldly things. We need to try to come out of that and pursue God with a clean heart and a right spirit. Amen? Amen. Paul is communicating in this message to the Christians in Corinth. He says, stay away from those people. Don't talk to them. Don't do business with those people. Listen, if you're a baby Christian, I'm going to encourage you. Don't go back to those days. Don't go back into that bar and think, I, I'm saved. I can go back and talk to Bob. Well, you might not be able to go back and talk to Bob at this present time. Bob might talk you into having a beer, and that ain't going to be good for you. We got to stay away from those things that, that God has called us out of. But as we mature, as we mature, I watch my son Trevor who hangs out with, with his six or seven buddies, and he, still, he tells me, Dad, I've never drank beer. I've never smoked. I've never had sex, and I believe him. But those men that he hangs out with, those young men, some of them smoke and some of them drink. And he's been in that room with them. He's been in the circle with them. But he lives his life in front of them saying, I can, will not do that. He knows the calling that's on his life. He's been educated through my choices, through my family's choices. He's seen trouble. Why would you go back to trouble? Paul's hoping that the church won't become complacent with the immoral behavior of the city. The Christian's reputation is at stake. Believe it or not, it's still at stake today. There's many people who see some of his Christians and they say, well, if he's going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. I see how he lives. I see him at the bar. I know if he's going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. He drinks the same beer I do. Matter of fact, I bought him a shot the other night. It's just truth. 
It's just truth. The church, Christians, are not to be a reflection of the world. We are to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Listen, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. When we fall, whenever we fall down, whenever we get angry with our spouse, we got to go back and say, listen, Cindy, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I should have never raised my voice at you. Whenever I get angry with my kids, I go back and I say, Tori, Trevor, I should have never raised my voice in that manner with you. Whenever I used to work at Chick-fil-A and I blew up, I would go back and apologize. God is changing my heart. My dad gave me a spirit of anger. I inherited it. That man would pick up a chainsaw if it wouldn't start and throw it halfway across the mountain and then you would go get it. I believe that anger is a little bit of an inheritance or maybe it's just a behavior that I seen growing up and I thought it was okay. Maybe. We don't know, but people are always watching us, right? Salvation through Jesus not only brings total forgiveness from our past, but Christ Jesus also brings purification. Many of us are new. Old things are passed away, it tells me in 2 Corinthians, right? Amen? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4 in the NIV, he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. That's Paul talking to the Corinthian church. I would say your senior pastor has a godly jealousy for all of us to walk a straight and narrow path. But I would say that God himself has a jealousy for his children who, who proclaim Jesus to be their savior. I believe that he has a jealousy for us to walk a right path, amen? He says, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He's saying, you gotta have purity. I want you to have purity. I'm trying to teach you to have purity. I'm trying to train you up that when you mess up, it's okay. But I'm trying to tell you, Linda, that you need purity. You need to have a soft heart. You can't be hard and upset with your brother. You can't have bitterness or unforgiveness. You've got to have purity in your heart. You've got to move for your husband, Christ, in a way that's pleasing unto him. It says, but I am afraid as Eve was deceived by the, spirit, by the serpent's cunning your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that is my worry. That I, that's the worry that I believe Christ put on my spirit yesterday whenever he gave me this message. Is that our minds may somehow be led astray from our sincere and pure devotion to Christ. It's hard. We gotta guard our minds. It's a battlefield for the, for the adversary, but we have to guard our minds. He goes on to say, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And the church has done that, right? We've done it. We've taken prayer out of school, why? Because we allowed it. We allowed a different gospel to be preached. We allowed the adversary to move in, in our territory. Listen, it didn't bother me when prayer got taken out of school. I was young. I didn't even know. Until I was 35, I was okay with everything in the world. Until Jesus knocked at my heart, I was okay with it. I didn't know. But I have problems with things now. 
I see things differently. I see things in a pure way that, that I shouldn't be doing things that I used to do, right? And I pray that for you. He's saying, if it's a different spirit, that's why we have to stay in tune with the spirit of God so that the spirit draws us and informs us of what's right and wrong. If it's not truth, we need to walk away from it. Amen? As your pastors and your staff, we pray for this body of believers to walk with integrity and truth. On Mondays, we pray for this body of believers, always. Listen, we don't want any to fall off the straight and narrow path that would separate you from eternal life. You all have value. Josh, you have value. We all fall short of the glory of God, but we all have to pick ourselves up. We all repent of our sins. That conviction, that spirit that convicts you is the spirit that Paul's talking about. If there's a different spirit saying, it's okay for you to mess up, it's okay that you keep going that direction, it's a lying spirit. And you gotta walk back to that spirit saying, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't look that way. Don't act in that manner. Draw back to the spirit that's telling you the truth. Don't walk towards your spirit that's lying to you and deceiving you. Amen? Paul said he doesn't want us to be deceived or our minds to wonder. And the only way to prevent this is the renewing of our mind. Listen, you can't just get fed on Sunday. You have to feed yourself. You need to get in a life group. But that's only once a month. You enjoy class if you're retired. Every other week is a good way to keep renewing your mind. You got to be around like-minded brothers and sisters. You got to get in the word for yourself. He tells us in Romans 12 and 2, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you do it? How do you renew your mind? You read the word. You put Jesus in your heart, right? First Thessalonians Chapter 5, 16 through 22, he says, always be joyful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. But joy is a decision. I can wake up in the morning and can be a grumpy old man, or I can wake up with joy in my spirit, put on my shoes, and walk with a step. We saw Steve walking in this morning from the parking lot, and he's got that step going on. He's got a little spring. huh? He, he's out there working the pot, parking lot, sweating a little bit, but he had a spring in his step. He had the joy of the Lord up on him. We got to make a decision for joy, right? He says, pray, pray. Renewing your mind. Joy, pray. It says, give thanks in everything. Trevor's complaining about getting stopped at red lights. Man, I got stopped at every red light today. And I said, you know what I do anymore whenever I get stopped at those red lights? I thank God because he might be preventing me from an accident down the road. Used to be I'd run the thing, but now I stop and I'm thankful for it, right? Don't put out the Spirit's fire in verse 19. Don't quench the spirit. What are we viewing? What are we listening to? Is it renewing our mind in Christ? Or is it taking us to that spirit that may lie to us and get us walking away from our faith? Or are we adding to the fire? Are we adding to the flame? Are we reading what's in the red that Jesus spoke? Are we, are we just opening up our word 
Do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither power of God? Wow, what a scripture I just opened to, huh? Huh? Read the red. Do you not, do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? Praise you, Lord God. Huh? A renewing of our mind right there in the scriptures, in the red. Do we not know his power? He says, prophesy. He says, prove all things. How do you prove it? You take down notes, right? Do you go back and look in your own Bible or do you just take his word for it? I believe a lot of religions, maybe people couldn't read and write. You know, my mom only has a sixth grade education. Maybe she just took the pastor's word and never went and proved it with her Bible. Maybe she just said, I believe what he's preaching. I'm not going to find it out on my own mind. I believe what Pastor Aaron's preaching. I'm not going to go home and, and check out the Bible and see if that's right or wrong. I'm going to hold on to what he says. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go home and, and open your Bible and say, man, that's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. That's exactly what it says because most of you ain't got a Bible and it's on the screens for you, right? But I want you to go home and check and make sure that it's good. He says, stay away from evil, renewing our minds. He says, Matthew 16 and 24, then said, Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, if any man will come after me, when he knocked at your heart, you came after him. Amen. Let him deny himself. Let yourself deny that lying spirit. Take up your cross and follow him. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. This world had nothing to offer me. There's nothing that satisfies me like Jesus. Amen. I could go back into the world, but I was miserable then. And I'd be miserable if I went back to it again. He says in Proverbs 4 and 23, he says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. Keep it from going astray. Our heart, it supplies the blood to the arteries throughout our whole body, right? It's the life source. It just beats away. Matter of fact, Jeannie Ware sent a text. She needs prayer for her son who's in AFib. The, 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 the ventricles or whatever they're called are having struggles right now. So his blood flow isn't right. Our heart pushes everything through our bodies. It also guards us from evil or the good deeds. Amen. We have to keep our heart clean from evil and it'll make it easy to obey the commandments. We must keep our hearts clean. We've got to keep our mouth clean. We've got to do a better job of watching the words that we release on other people. There's times that we release words and we don't even know that it's hurting them. And then they get angry at us and you could have said it jokingly. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Man, what you just said really pierced me. But that's usually a day or two later whenever it's festered in their heart, right? We've got to look with our eyes and keep them straight. Keep them focused on the truth, not on lustful things, not on lustful pleasures. We also got to walk it out and we got to watch where we walk because we walk into conversations and we walk into places that we shouldn't be walking in. The gospel tells me that's part of the armor of God and that our shoes are to be sodded, ready to spread the gospel, not strife and confusion, amen? The devil fights in our mind. 
Paul said, I don't want your mind to wander. But some of you and, and me, myself, we struggle on that battleground. The devil brings up the past junk that just doesn't matter anymore. He gives you reruns of things of your past, the past pleasures that you used to do. But we don't want to do them anymore, right? We want to quit it. But the battleground is in our mind. It's our responsibility to stand strong. He fights hard. He fights dirty because he knows that he's been defeated. You're a child of God and you're not defeated. But don't let him tell you otherwise. You stand in victory. You live in victory through the conquering of the grave through Jesus Christ. Amen? It's by the blood of Jesus you live in victory. We have to make the decision to let go of the past and make the choice to stay away from evil. We have to make the choice to stay away from the adversary, the devil. He says in 1 Peter 2 and 9, he says, because you are a chosen generation. No matter your age, you're a chosen generation. No matter when you came to Christ Jesus, you're a chosen generation. And he's wanting you to move for his glory. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar person that should show forth the praise of the, praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've received his mercy, his forgiveness, and God wants us to go forward and show his marvelous light. He has anointed you as a royal priest. He says in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, chapter 4, 1 through 6, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, seeing that we have this ministry, this isn't just my ministry, pastor's ministry, seeing that we have this ministry, that we've received the mercy and that we should faint not. Verse two says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Why would you hide your gospel to those that are lost? I'm not bragging on myself, but one of the choice, one of the talks is choices, and it's on Friday morning, and it's the first talk. And my choices in life were the stupidest things ever. By the grace of God, I stand before you today. But my talk relates to those residents inside of that prison because of all my bad habits, because of all my mistakes, because of how the adversary had me bound. I relate to those people very well. And my talk about my life and the choices that I made and the grace of God that saved me and that has kept me opens those men's heart. I've heard other men on those, on those walks, those volunteers say, they never open up this quick. The first time I gave the talk, they opened up just like that. This, this weekend, they opened up just like that because they can relate to me. They say, you're a pastor? I am a pastor. 13 years ago, I got saved and it changed my life. And I chase after God now. 
And he can do the same for each and every one of them and for you. Renounce the hidden things. Don't hide your gospel. Most of you, if you go to a Mountaineer ball game, I know you ain't hiding who you're cheering for. Amen? So why hide Jesus Christ from the world? Who needs that worse than to know that you're a Mountaineer fan? Huh? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. At least the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus, who's the image of God, should shine forth unto them. Man, when you hide that gospel, you're just keeping that little light to yourself. You're taking, you're taking the light that Jesus had in you and you're just covering up and you're not sharing it. The wrong Mr. Right set to the left of me and he wasn't churched. And he had all kinds of questions about Jesus. He had all kinds of questions about God. And I didn't bury my light. That thing came off and we had blunt conversations about what God can do for you, how he can deliver you, how he can use you, how he can redeem you, how he can put you into a place where, where he can manifest an anointing through you where, you, can, where you can testify about his goodness and how he saved you. Robbie, how he saved you, right? How he can use you. All you got to do is open up your mouth and let the spirit speak what he wants to speak. Man, I get in some bad conversations, and in my mind, I'm going, I don't know how I got on this. I'm not really sure I want to share that skeleton. That's being honest. I'm not really sure I want to, I don't know that I want to open that door and have that conversation. But I've seen it heal brokenness because God opened up my mouth and he said, speak it, speak it, son. They need to hear it. We all got a closet full of something. But we got to have boldness to open up our mouth sometimes when the Lord's leading us. To say, listen, I walked through that. I walked through it. Can I be honest with you? I was molested in life. And I shared it with a young lady that was her husband was going through surgery and we were in the waiting room together. And I don't even know how we got on the conversation. Again, it goes back to going, man, I don't know why I'm having this conversation. But on that Sunday morning, she was at an altar praying and there was a young lady that came down who got next to her. And because of our conversation and she felt forgiveness and she was able to forgive that person that hurt her. That person that came down next to her went through the same thing. And because of her and I having that conversation, she was able to help that other person have freedom from the same thing. But if I would have never opened my mouth, if I would have never taken that skeleton out of that closet, if I would have just said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't talk about that. The person would have never seen freedom. That other person would have never received freedom from that bondage. We've got to be willing to not hide the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. That's all that we are, is a servant for Jesus. He has redeemed you, blood-bought purchased you. He created you and then he purchased you. 
He created me. I walked in filth and junk, and then he purchased me back. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. When Jesus returns, the ruler, the God of this world, will be cast to the pits of hell where he belongs. Amen? The question is, who are you bringing with you? Be Christ-like. Spread the gospel. Let your light shine. Guard your heart. Watch your mouth. Watch your actions. Amen? There's another thing that I learned, though, in prison while I was there. Something that I saw. These men that we sat there with and poured out into, they just weren't in prison. They were a prisoner to themselves. They were seeking help. They were looking for hope. And they couldn't find it inside of that prison. They were a prisoner to their minds. They were a prisoner to their past. I feel like Paul is telling the Corinthians this very same thing. You're being a prisoner, Corinthians, to your past. I believe that some of us may still be a prisoner to our own minds, to our own past. And I believe my pastor started preaching this morning. And I sat there the whole time going, I feel like I'm piggybacking on him tonight. I believe that God purposed this day to release some people from prisons, from fear, from the things that you're battling. Amen? Many of us say, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to have it all together. Or I don't want anybody to know what I'm struggling with. Let me tell you about some church folk. Mark 2. This man has palsy. Four friends bring him to Jesus. How about his mindset? My second oldest brother. My oldest brother got killed in a car accident when he was 17. My second oldest brother was 16 in that car accident. He went from running one day to being paralyzed. Imagine that mindset. Imagine this guy's mindset who's got palsy. But he's got four friends that's going to take him to Jesus. They don't care about his mindset. They don't care about his affliction. They don't care about the things that he's walked through, going through right now. All they care about is getting to Jesus. And if you're locked down in something, all that we care about is getting you to Jesus because we want to see you healed in Jesus' name. Amen? What about in Mark 3? There's a man with a withered hand. What if that withered hand was his dominant hand? Could you imagine how his mindset was? What about whenever he has to go to the well and he's got to draw water? but he can only use his left hand, his left arm. And and you probably need two. I don't know how deep that well is, but you probably need two, right? I mean, imagine that withered hand. What's his mindset? And Jesus enters that synagogue and he says, hey, behold, your hand is healed. That's what we're talking about. All we want to do is take you to Jesus. All we want you to do is get active with Jesus. All we want to see is that you believe in Jesus and have the faith to receive what he's got for you. I believe that he wants to loosen people in his holy name. Amen? What about Mark 5, the maniac? What's his mindset? 
Man, he's in chains, fetters. His mindset is not good, right? He's sitting there cutting all the time. Everybody's, everybody's upset that he's even on, on their island, right? But he had to be somebody's son. He had to be somebody's son. Who knows what happened to him? Who knows what drink he may have had that ruined him? Who knows what it was that made that demon possess him? What was his mindset? But Jesus showed up and delivered him. Amen. We stay in Mark 5. Jairus' daughter, the point of death. He's a ruler of the synagogue. Man, I'm a faithful tither. I take care of the synagogue. But he's walking through troubled waters. His daughter is dying. And all that he cares about is getting to Jesus. What about the woman with an issue of blood? Imagine her mindset. I've been to every doctor here. Imagine how much she has been a prisoner to her mind. Why can I not receive the right medicine to heal me? And then one day she hears about the master coming to town. And if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. Amen. Listen, there ain't no pastor man or woman pastor that's got the anointing to do what God can do. God uses people. We are a servant to Jesus. Amen. It is Jesus who wants to loosen people. Mark seven, there's a person that was deaf and was stuttering speech. I wonder how often he got made fun of. He may not been able to hear him, right? But I'm sure that he could see them laughing at him. What's his mindset? What about Mark 9 in closing? The dad who had a son that was demon-possessed. What was his mindset? Again, he took him to the disciples and said, Here, here, disciple Rob, pray for my son. He's demon-possessed. I want him loosened. And Jesus shows up and he says, What's the matter? I've taken him to your disciples. They can't do it. Can you heal my son? Do you believe? Help my unbelief, he says. That's where his mindset was. Help my unbelief, Lord Jesus. Amen. We all have something in our mind that we're battling. Those prisoners, those inmates, those residents, those sons of God, if they confess Jesus that weekend, they were battling things in their mind. We saw freedom come into them. In Mark 7, Jesus spoke a word, Ephetah, Ephetah. He said, be opened, be opened, be opened. He healed him, Ephetah, be opened. He loosened, up. he loosened his hearing and he loosened his tongue and that man was healed in the name of Jesus. Listen, I don't care what you're going through. Physically, emotionally, mentally. But God put the spirit in this house today for deliverance, for anybody that is prisoner in their minds. And I believe that he wants to loosen you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come, come, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're a prisoner in your mind, I'm going to ask Pastor Robert to come up here with me. And we're going to pray with you. 
if you're battling something, listen, we're not here to judge you. We don't care. But it's 7.01. It's still early. We have time to allow God to do what he wants to do. And I'm not asking you if you're scared or nervous, listen, you got to rely on the Spirit to draw you. But if you're battling something in your mind, he said, come unto me. Listen, God gave me this, this message yesterday morning. Yesterday I spoke with, with different people that were battling fear. I spoke with people today that were battling fear. They're battling their past behaviors that are haunting them still. I spoke with one young man who said, I feel like I'm about ready to backslide. I can't make it up. People are battling in their minds. And I thought, uh, I thought whenever I was talking to him yesterday, I thought, maybe you just gave me this message for him tonight whenever I was talking to him. But then I heard his message this morning. I'm like, man, I believe the Lord wants to do something in this house today. People wanting to backslide, people not knowing their place or purpose in life. God hasn't left you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's going to see you through it. But I ask you tonight, come. Come unto him. If you want prayer, I encourage you. If not, while Pastor Kerry prays, I'm just going to ask you to, to humble yourselves and meditate up on the Lord and what he would speak to you. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 